Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning and welcome to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Haston from the Roby Family of Companies. We are your hosts, 9 to 10, Sunday morning. We always hear 9 to 10, Yeehaw. Sunday morning. Trent Rocket is Roby Services t-shirt. I like it. With my dress pants. <laughs> That's a new trend. You got tennis shoes. Yep, you got tennis shoes on too. Got Sacconis on. I feel like Ron Haston. Sacconis or Saucony? We always debate. It's debatable. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, potato, potato. Wow. What's up? Not much, man. How about you? Oh, no. Nah, enjoying, enjoying this July weather. <laughs> Rumor has it. <laughs> did you get any shark's teeth? Y'all didn't, think, uh, y'all didn't think I was that witty, did you? <laughs> <laughs> October the 17th. Is it the 17th? It is the 17th. Had to think about that yeah, one Yeah, Panthers 0-2 in the last two weeks. What's up with that? Maybe today the ship. I don't know ship. if you're going to get the hit today. They play the... Um, Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings are going to whoop that tail. Been a lot going on in the NFL this week. It's been a tumultuous, tumultuous week. Oh, wow. I'm not going there. I'm not either. But I will say, we uh, on Sunday or Monday night. I know this. John Gruden's the best thing to ever happen to Urban Meyer. <laughs> Took the spotlight off of him, didn't he? It's just chronology. Wow. Um, but no, it's, it's, I know we, we – I haven't gotten into NFL in a while, but it seems like it's been a lot more entertaining this season. I mean, it's like wrestling. Right? I mean, These like NASCAR are... used to be, the good old days. Bump and grind. Get out, throw your helmet, let's fist fight. You know, I mean, <laughs> Dad, Dad used to always talk about Brute, and he was such a good promoter, him and Humpy. You know, they, they wanted them boys. He was, He's like, I know they want them fighting. They want them fighting. <laughs> that's, that's why we watch. We you like those about, guys fighting. It's like the NHL, right? We used to watch the NHL I can't for the watch. Hockey. I can't watch the NHL. It's a flat baseball. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't either. You know, it was hard. I, I I couldn't imagine watching a baseball game if you had never done that. Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't either. Try uh, so we we did figure skate. Scarlett's in figure skating. She loves it. It's been wow. going like every I, Saturday. I, I know you do too. So uh, I've been spending some Saturdays <laughs> Saturdays in the ice rink with the uh, with the transplant mom and dads that are from the, from the uh, usually from the Northeast. So but, do uh, you skate? Man, I can skate. Do your uh, ankles hurt? I can skate a little bit. It makes my ankles it's, hurt. It makes your it's ankles no kill. Fun. Yeah. It's not It's not enjoyable. I'd much rather be on some sort of ski or board. Or a bench. Or or a bench. Sitting I'll there you, wa- watching people skate. You would not. With, with, with a hoodie on. You you and old Papa and Ron thermals. would not enjoy ice skating. I don't like going to the arena. It's always cold. It's it bone is cold, cold. Is, you know what in there. I don't need it. I go to the regular skating rink, though. You're talking about Bobby like, Reed be doing the doing the groove <laughs> with some seventies disco oh, music. Oh, backwards! <laughs> I've seen that before. Man, we were going through some old pictures, and that was the first place my daughter was terrified of mascots. And the very first mascot she could ever tolerate, albeit Auburn, she kind of would look at and not go cry over. But was that you know that dog over there at Kate Skate? You ever seen that thing? 
It dresses up like a dog nah, and skates around. I ain't seen that. Yeah, man, they got like the little yeah. It's a cheap. That that was the first mascot. Experience. Did it scare her? No, it was the first time she wasn't scared. Did she go wah wah? That's what Knotts does. He calls every dog wah wah. Wah wah. Wah wah. Because of Wiley. Wiley's the name of our uh, dog, yeah, Patrick. Hang I, in I, there. I do know that Wiley. Not a huge fan of Patrick's. He doesn't. Uh, yeah, he gives me the. He gives I'm me the. The lip curl. Wiley liked to eat poop, Patrick. <laughs> Well, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I need to bring him some next oh, time. Oh, Lord. I don't like when he eats poop. <laughs> no good. Dean tries to give you a kiss. Oh, baby. Well, welcome to the At Home with Roby show. Yeah. <laughs> we're having a fun Saturday, excuse me, Sunday morning. Sunday. We Sunday. forgot what day. We Sunday. got Kyle Porter on here today. This dude is a genius. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. He is. Uh, we were on the Disney planning trip uh, together, Reagan and I, with with him and his wife April, they're Disney aficionados. I know, uh, I know what that's like. Because Kyle's from Atlanta. I let him say this, but he now lives on a orange farm. I think right outside of Orlando. Uh, uh, you know, relatively outside. So, so they know how to do the Orlando thing pretty well. Uh, very, very great resource him and april to have on our committee <laughs> yeah i would say so i mean it being that close they could probably i mean i kept i kept on the on the planning trip i kept saying carowinds <laughs> and they got mad at me is it in paramount no. <laughs> i'm kidding big difference but i know my way well i don't anymore when i go now i feel lost but i used to know my way around carowinds pretty good when i was flexing that season pass yeah before i was 14 and when i turned 14 i worked every day I hear you. We had no so more six flags over Georgia. Kyle, Kyle will know that out towards Douglasville. This is a bad thing, kids. I remember one time when I was a kid, I went with the older baseball all-star team to Carowinds, and the canister you throw the softball in that never fit, it doesn't fit. It does fit because I jumped over and put it in, and all the big guys thought I was cool. I won a Teddy, won a won a California raisin. I still have guilt over this. <laughs> Very unethical thing I did at that one point in my life. I, I don't think I've ever, ever, ever stolen anything again. I think that's called peer pressure. Maybe a grape at the grocery store. Man, I'll tell you, that's you remember that I went to. We went to. We had remember Ryan's Steakhouse. Did you have those around here? Yeah. Okay, so Ryan's when you left Ryan's, they give you a sucker. Mm-hmm. But we took about three hundred suckers, and when I came home, same kind of deal. I still remember that. My dad saw the suckers and he said, "Come on." Put them in a bag. We're going back up there. You're giving every one of those back. And I was like, I can't go back there. I'll get in trouble. It's going to be the end of the world. Had to give them all back. You didn't even get to keep one? I don't th- I think I was in pretty the deep qualifier? trouble. qualifier? I think I was. I think that, that I probably got negative one on that deal. Your dad enjoyed that. Think yeah, about that I'm now. sure he did. Messing with you. <laughs> Why are you always picking on the boy? <laughs> Jimmy, stop messing with the, the son. Man. You got to learn somehow. You got to. And yeah. now, and now we now we have different obstacles, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean that was a very big impression in my life, and and I don't have time for people that steal anything. Nope, even mind like covet. That's bad. Anyway, what are we doing here? We're getting off on a on a Goodwill hunting tangent. California raisin. All right, I did. I have a mean California raisin collection. <laughs> It's not worth anything. Uh, speaking of California raisins, Cal Porter lives on an orange farm. Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> He's trying to diversify. Sales Law, when we get back, the story of Sales Law from Cal Porter. You're listening to the At Home with Roby Show. 
Welcome back to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Hasten from the Roby family of companies. We are your hosts. If you missed the first segment, go back, check it out on our podcast. You can Google At Home with Roby. I think you can find that joker just about anywhere these days, Trent. Yeah, and we have Kyle Porter with Kyle us. Kyle Porter, Sales Loft. Sales Loft. From hailing from Atlanta, but by way of northern Florida, right, Kyle? Central. But great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Central, guys. man. Central, you need to get your geography right. I know. I was never good at geography. Kyle, I, I, I had forgot this. We didn't set this up. Kyle said he's sitting down on the farm and, and uh, April is due in, what, the next four days? Is that right? Yes, yeah, she's ready to go. We've been full term now for about a week, so she's oh, going to happen any day. Well, congratulations. This is baby number three, right? That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Little girl this time, so we'll have two girls and one boy. Well, congratulations! Well on your way to seven. <laughs> you have right. <laughs> no, I only have five, Kyle. Let's be, let's, this, this is a serious show about business and entrepreneurism. He's going for he's right. going for a, a football team, I think. I mean, we got we have, we have four more in the family, and you guys could feel we didn't play both ways. You'd be good to go. Okay, I'm I sorry. got it. Well, well, so so. <laughs> Uh, I've heard uh, actually you've been a, you've been an education resource uh, at some of our YPO stuff. So I've I've heard some of your story and some of your philosophies, but I want I want you to share it with our audience, man. You are one heck of an entrepreneur, and now you live on an orange farm, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, my my wife's family is quite the entrepreneurial family as well. Uh, so they're in the tangerine business. But yeah, I started a software company a decade ago and it really is a it's actually a, a 10 years in one month and we, we just saw that sellers out there in the world people who were selling to particularly other companies were really underserved from a technology perspective they had these things called crm and you probably heard of salesforce and and microsoft and we really we realized there was a way to put a workflow solution in front of sellers so that they'd know who to call know who to email key them up with the right steps and and really make it easy to go through a tough job, which is sales. And so we started doing that 10 years ago, and um, it's been a great journey ever since. We've had the opportunity to build a great business, uh, serve many of the world's fastest-growing companies, companies that you all would know, like IBM and even Salesforce and Google and uh, you know LinkedIn and other big businesses and a lot of mainstream companies. But it's just been a really great journey and learned a ton of lessons along the way, made a bunch of mistakes, and fortunately here to still uh, – Talk about it. It, it, it. You know, you always hear these uh, 20-year overnight success stories. Everybody everybody glazes over all the hard times, right? Uh, but but you were te- you told me some story about the before you started this business, you were sitting in a stoplight, and you were like, I, I, I can't even remember the story. But <laughs> yeah, I used to be in the um, video game amusement business. So think golden tees and poker machines. Okay. And I had uh, 36 sports bars and restaurants that where these games lived, and I would literally drive around and collect the cash out of the, the coin boxes and um, pay some to the owners of the locations and move along. But there was this one time I was driving up, I was driving a big trailer up from Tallahassee, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was smelling like cigarettes from the bars. I had stacks of $1 bills, which, <laughs> you know, you show me a stack of $1 bill right now, and I, I still have nightmares over it. <laughs> and I pulled over in a truck stop because I literally was about to fall asleep, 
and I pulled out my phone and I said, I'm going to write the notes of what my next business is going to be. And it was basically the opposite of that business. I said, I don't want to be in the cash business. I want people paying with credit cards. I don't want to be in a, you know, selling in kind of a blue collar America where I'm driving around, you know, work. I want to sell a product that customers validate the need for versus I just love golden tea and poker machines. <laughs> and I want it to be an innovative business versus a replicative business. So a replicative business is, you know, there's already an amusement gaming kind of industry. And I, and I started in that versus I want to create something from scratch that never existed before. So that was really the manifesto that led me to sales loft. I will, I'll be honest with you. We, we have worked uh, with our services business at, some of the local children's, and I'm not going to say the name of them, but uh, a local amusement type place that probably houses similar things as Golden Tea, and they would pay us in $1 bills. And I, I, there's something, I'm with you. I would have to close the door to my office, and I just felt like I was doing something wrong trying to count it out and get it to the bank. I mean, it, I can only imagine this every single day. Whoa, there's nothing wrong with somebody paying in cash as long as you pay the tax, man. I, I don't know. If there's $3,001 bills, it just feels weird. Uh, <laughs> well, I wasn't getting enough $1 bills for that business to be successful, but the worst part was when you open these games up and they have a little computer inside them. It's a CPU, and they have a, a spinning hard disk fan on there, and that thing was caked in cigarette dust. And oh. you take that air machine blower and pop on it just to clean it up, and it was the funkiest smell. I'll never forget it. Oh so my there were a lot of reasons I got out of that business to stack the one dollar bill. <laughs> Had they been about fifteen to twenty times bigger stacks, I might have stayed in. Was uh, was that your first entrepreneur <laughs> business? <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of post college. I you know post education and growing up, yeah. But I, I mean, grow, even when I was a kid, I had all kinds of crazy you know side hustles. I was selling baseball cards and Beanie Babies and there we go. comic books and. You know, I remember in 1996 Olympics, I was 14, and I would hop on my bike, throw my book bag on my shoulders, and ride to Walmart and buy every single lapel pin for the Olympics that I possibly could. Then I'd hop on Marta and take it down to Centennial uh, Park, and I'd sell them. And that was exciting because you'd see the look on people's eyes, and they'd be from, like, Africa and Germany and Japan and all over the world, and, and I'd give them the, the – the, uh, you know, I'd give them the onion rings uh, um, varsity uh, pin that represented the Olympics, and they'd pay me $50 for it, and I'd probably pay 10 15 for it. So that was really cool and a great experience when I was really young. But, you know, it was just stringing along a lot of these kind of sales scenarios. So, so you go to Georgia Tech. You're definitely an entrepreneur, true and true. I, I used to do baseball card show tables and stuff like that. I was like about that. to say, uh, yeah, we, I mean, that we've talked about that before. Baseball cards come up a lot when you talk to an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, they do. So if we want to find some young entrepreneurs, we need to be hitting these baseball card shows up, you do know, some recruiting. Will Bartle opened <laughs> a card shop. I did not know that. Yeah, he did. Uh, Rain Tree Shopping Center. We'll go check him out one day. There you go. Uh, so you so you go to Georgia Tech. What would you study at Georgia Tech? And then you're like, hey, I want to be in the video poker business. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was a little bit of a, a, a time after. But, you know, I started Georgia Tech, and I thought I wanted to be an engineer. I, I joined the electrical engineering program. It wasn't long until I moved into the management program. I think it was like Calc 3 that probably propelled me into the management train. Uh, but, um, yeah, I started in management and I, and really the idea then was I wanted to be an investment banker. I started reading all these investment banking books and really thought that there was some neat stuff happening in that world. Um, I went to Citigroup right out of school 
and uh, I didn't fall in love with it. In, in fact, it was five months in, and one of my buddies I had done a real estate deal with, and he was working at a place called the Advanced Technology Development Center at Georgia Tech. And this is a place where they commercialize intellectual property to create startups. And he had one. He was a CEO of a semiconductor manufacturing uh, solution, and he showed me everything that was happening there, and it just, like, really rang a bell for the entrepreneur in me. And I went I went to work with him on a services business. So I was in banking for four months, and then I was at ATDC in services for a while. Um, little stream of events led me into the, the video games from there. <laughs> That's wow, remarkable. that is awesome. No. Uh, so this is a program put on by Georgia Tech, and it's, people bring their biggest and brightest ideas, and they kind of help trampoline them or catapult them into into the, the startup world. Is that, that That's pretty neat. I, I'm not aware of that. That sounds pretty fascinating. Yeah, for a while it was the epicenter of Atlanta technology, uh, or technology really in the South. You know, you had um, the best software companies, the best hardware and electronics companies, Biomed, and they were all housed in this facility on Tech's campus. It's a private facility. It's not owned by or run. By, I mean, it's run. The, the the group is run by the government, but it's all private businesses. And all the entrepreneurs would show up there: the investors, the lawyers, the venture capitalists. Um, a couple of years later, or, or I guess in 2012, the Atlanta Tech Village opened up, and it's really taken the mantle as the top um, spot in Atlanta for technology. We ended up being part of that at, at SalesLoft, but yeah. Uh, ATDC, Advanced Technology Development Center, still lives and exists, and it's a great place to launch your business if you're in technology. That is so cool. Kyle, man, this is so intriguing. I know where I want to go next with this conversation. We're going to leave it as a cliffhanger. Can we go pay some bills? Will you stick around with us for another segment? Of course. All right. Kyle Porter, Sales Loft, and we return talking entrepreneurism and life on the At Home with Roby Show. Welcome back. At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services along with Trent Haston from the Roby Family of Companies. We are your hosts. We've got Kyle Porter from I think Sales I want to step down and let Kyle start hosting the show. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's on pretty point. Good. Pretty good. I think his his segment was probably more interesting than talking about uh, old Wiley on the first segment. Why, why? Why, why, why got a We were love? talking about how my... Uh, <laughs> My son calls every dog. My baby uh, Knox calls every dog Wawa because my dog's name is Wiley. So, how many dogs do y'all have down there on the farm? No dogs. We got uh, there's some other animals running around here. We've got a lot of raccoons and squirrels and uh, lots of birds. Eagles land on my dock every single day, and that's been amazing. My wife has got a 300 millimeter zoom lens, and she catches the most incredible pictures of bald eagles. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. That is cool. So, 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 w- w- tell me about your wife's family. Give me a little story about how how they got into the farming business. Because that you said true well, entrepreneurism. Yeah, April tells an incredible story about her great grandfather, who was an ice salesman in New York. So they would pull blocks of ice out of the Hudson River, put them on a train, and drive them to the South to sell them to shopkeepers. So you, if you ran a business, you could go buy a giant block of ice, take it back to your shop, put it in your ice box, and you'd carve out smaller pieces of ice that other people would come by and put in their ice box at home. So he's got this cold, deadhead train going back up north, and he decides to start putting citrus on it. And uh, so that was 
great-great-grandfathers. That's five generations of tangerine farmers from the state of Florida. So they, they, um, they're in Winter Haven, Florida, and it's just an incredible heritage and a fun story to be a part of. So we live on a, about a 14-acre tangerine farm that was once owned by her grandfather. It had been privately sold after he died, and then we bought it back from the owners to kind of bring it back to the family. Man, that is awesome. That's so really cool. uh is April in the family business? She is the chairman of the board of the family business and she just left for maternity as the CFO. So she was a CFO for years and years and she just stepped down to have her third. Well, I know one thing being in a family business, you get great benefits. <laughs> when I took my maternity. We get all the tangerines <laughs> and blueberries you can want. That's a pretty good purr now. Uh, you make a mean smoothie in the morning with tangerines and blueberries. Um, that, that's remarkable. Trent, I, I don't want to leave something on the very – is that what you were cliff? You, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. I want to make sure you were segue. You, you had the Sylvester Stallone reference. want to make sure you got to your that cliff. That was hanger. it. So the deadhead trying to fill the train, wanted to be efficient, got him in t- t- took it in a whole new direction. Let let them out of right. let them out of the ice business. That's well, unbelievable. You know, you think about that era. I mean, they probably didn't know what. A ta- I mean, tangerines. I'm sure weren't commonplace in the up the northeast. Uh, and so bringing that up there, I mean, you imagine not having access to a tangerine anytime you want it. I mean, it's just hard to even fathom. It was like being a tech entrepreneur in in 2000. Yeah, right. He he was delivering uh, citrus to the north. Yeah. There you go. And then he started farming at some point, I guess. He said, man, I can vertically integrate this business. I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> so, so talk to us about, about SalesLoft. I mean, obviously, most people are familiar with SalesLoft, but tell us a little bit about the how-to and, and you know, where you got started and where you are now. Maybe, maybe just give us a rundown on, on your, your business, Kyle. Yeah. So, you know, we um, it took a while. You talked about the kind of you know, 20 year overnight success, the the product that is our core product today wasn't launched until four years after we started the business, three years after we started the business. Um, and in that period of time leading up to that, we knew we wanted to build some software that would help sellers do a better job of connecting authentically and empathetically with their buyers, but do it at scale. So I found myself inside of um, the Atlanta Tech Village, which I mentioned recently, uh, which was basically a, a startup incubator, and I would just shadow sellers. I'd just stand over their shoulder and watch what they do. And what I found is they were going to their calendar, they were going into email, they were going into LinkedIn, they were going into their phone, they were just bouncing around from all these places and saying, i got to call this person, send this, update in my CRM, attach this document. And I just said, what if we built one workflow system where they could start their day and end their day? It tells them all the people to call. It becomes the phone system, helps them execute those calls, it becomes the email system, helps them send those emails, helps them track everything, and it speeds up the time in which they want to communicate effectively with their customers or prospects. And when we launched it, we just started seeing some incredible results. So the company was a $200,000 revenue business in two, the beginning of 2015. <laughs> um, it went from 200K to 2.4 million, 4.4 to 7. 7 to 16, 16 to 35, 35 to 62, 62 to 85, and we'll finish this year above $125 million in revenue, growing at 50%. So it's just taken off and, and filled a need and, and really helped serve companies in amazing ways. Uh, so it's been a ton of fun. We had the big milestone of $100 million 
um, kind of trailing 12 months earlier in Q2 of this year. And um, it's just been a really good journey. We've got 600 employees. We've raised about $240 million in capital. The latest round of valuation was above a billion. And, you know, the market for companies like ours is really strong. And so we're trying to take this thing to IPO. Well, I can only imagine the amount of uh, fun and, and, I mean, just growing something that fast and that quick with, I mean, 600 people. How many people did you have where you at 200,000? Uh, I probably had 10, 12 people back then, you know, mostly engineers building the software and a few folks really starting to sell it. Did you know then where you were going to be now? How, how did the future look? Say, what yeah. were you like? Did you have a BHAG out there, a big, hairy, audacious goal? Or? Yeah. It's actually been a, a, an interesting kind of scenario I've had to go through this year because the BHAG was always, early on, was always $100 million in recurring revenue, subscription revenue. And, uh, I mean, and, and at great margins. And so we hit that number earlier this year. And, and, and you know, I think like a year and a half ago, I was like, oh, we're going to hit that number. So I think it's set a new BHAG. Right? I was about to say, like, that's a good, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. So, you know, really today now what it is, is, you know, I want this business to to remain independent, um, take a shot at IPO and really fundamentally change the profession of sales forever. So that when, you know, our kids are maybe selling one day in the, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, they look back on the timeline of the profession and see a giant sales off stamp right in the middle of that timeline. So that's how I think about it now. Um, you know, it, it, there's pros and cons to using a number as a BHAG. Uh, but I kind of ran into one of the cons, which is, what do you do when you hit it? <laughs> that is awesome. What? How how long of a timeline did you give yourself when you created that BHAG? Uh, yeah, ironically, I told myself I wanted to be in the business for 10 years, and, <laughs> um, and that was what I was committing to. And so I just hit that in September. And what I did is I um, – I did a six-week sabbatical to really kind of recalibrate and figure out what I wanted to do next and how much time I wanted to to commit to going forward. And um, so that was something I did over this, like right around September or before September. Was that hard to do? I, you were telling me you were on your sabbatical, and I I was I questioned myself if I could really do that. How did you did you did did it go well? Did you succeed at it? Uh, it did, yeah. I mean, we've got an incredible executive team. I think that the number one thing that any exec, any CEO should do, uh, the number one job is to have an incredible executive team that can handle the challenges and problems that they're aligned and that those messages cascade from the top all the way through to the individual contributors without losing any, you know, no, you know, without any noise and keeping the signal all the way. So I just have to credit my executive team, particularly our co-founder and president of the company, who's just incredible, who's actually on sabbatical right now, um, but I went on sabbatical and, uh, you know, I just turned email off and I didn't take calls. Um, and it was wild. It, 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 a couple things like, you know, I got to spend so much time with the kids and family and that was incredible. I got, I was outside almost every day. I worked in the yard, you know, I did things that I hadn't done. Before. I got in touch with like long lost family members. I was adopted and I never met oh, some man. people in my family and I found them later. So I did some of that, but. You know, I'll tell you one thing that kind of was crazy is like the minute I started my sabbatical, that six-week timer started clicking, and I could always kind of hear it in the background. So I was doing everything I could to get the most out of that time. And when I came back, it it was really reinvigorating to jump right back in. Man, that is truly a, a blessing for, to give people to think about uh, how to prioritize your time. I think that's wonderful. Well, well Kyle, well, man. We give it to all of our employees now. Don't be giving Patrick any years. ideas. <laughs> No. 
You all of your employees do a six week sabbatical after they've been with the company for six years. Wow, man, that's that's a perk. That's interesting. That's like our Presbyterian preachers on sabbatical. So I mean, I'm not. That was odd for me because I'm a workaholic, and then but but. When you become ingrained Presbyterian, you eventually figure out it's the way it is. It's good. Uh, Kyle, that's so awesome. What what awesome stories you have. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I mean, you kind of said your priorities are in line. What is one thing that Kyle Porter, what is your true compass? What's one thing you live by, life and business? Well, I think it all boils down to why are we here. And, and for me, you know, I had some kind of crazy childhood stories. I think I've told you about them personally, but I matured at a young age, and and I came to the conclusion that I was put on this earth with a unique story and capabilities and talents, and my role is to serve others and make the world a better place. And so I made that commitment early on, and you know, I think really, you know, my, my role at SalesLoft as a CEO, my role in the family is is to um, is to lead and to serve and to help others reach achieve remarkable feats. And so that's what I think about every day, and. You know, that's really ingrained into the sales off culture. I mean, we wanted to start a company. I want to start a company where others could come to learn more, do more, become more, take the talents and skills they've been given and use them to serve others and find fulfillment. And so that's really my mantra everywhere and everything I do. Learn more, do, do more, more, and use fulfill more. Fulfill more. Become more. Become more. Become more. Learn, Learn more, more, do more, more become more. more. I, I love like it. That. Yeah. Kyle. Thank you for sharing your stories and your time with us today, man. I, I, I think if anybody heard what you just were breathing, uh, they're going to have a positive day. So thank you for joining us on the At Home with Roby show. I appreciate it, guys. Good to be here. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac for Roby Commercial Services. I'm with Trent Hayson from the Roby family of companies. We are your hosts. Kyle Porter. How good was that? That was awesome. Man. And then TJ's got us a good interlude here. Yep. Did I get that <laughs> word right? Because you know Reagan always says I used the wrong word in the wrong place. <laughs> what did she She's say? like, I think I know what you mean, but you know that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm like, huh? What did she say about me? I do that all the time. Oh, man. I'm like, baby, my vocabulary is bussing, bussing. <laughs> That's what the kids say these days. Bussing, bussing? Bussing, bussing. I'm like, Rowan, you like that? She's like, daddy, that bussing, bussing. My goodness gracious. I learned a new Man, word. I, they got me listening to 95.1 again, 96.1. I mean, li- literally hadn't listened to these stations since Ace and TJ 25 years ago. You and, were on uh, the you are you were on that show? TJ. Yeah, TJ. Nah, he's like, man, leave well, me alone. Well, all right. My so how many weeks? I'm not. <laughs> how many how many weeks until uh the cornhole? November the 6th. 3 weeks. Make a wish. It's, we, a little debate over the 13th or 14th annual. Last year we did the Walt for Wishes, so this is actually our 13th annual cornhole tournament. Yes, it 14th is. annual in a row, though, to raise money. So let's go. As y'all know, we do the wish story. Patrick's about to read us a wish story. But we got We have we to recognize co-host okay, Harris Teeter. Yeah, Platinum Sponsors, Davis Sightworks, the Drive Pro. We had Ron on the show last week. Home Technology Solutions, Kingdom Demo, and, of course, our radio partner, WBT. WBT. Yeah. Got that confused. My bad. Ace's partner. Uh, Ace's partner. Um, And you can still, Trent, you can still sign up to play. October 29th is the deadline there. Pitching, pitching, no G, P I T C H I N, fourwishes.com. 70 bucks. We did not, as you said last week, we didn't take the inflation up. It's very, very inexpensive. 35 a man. It'd be $500 a team. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) 
Um, well, let me tell you about Hazel. Uh, Hazel was born with a genetic condition that caused a defect in her kidneys. Unable to sustain themselves, Hazel's kidneys began to fail by the time she reached her first birthday, and the need for a transplant was imminent. Luckily, Hazel came into the world surrounded by people that were willing to fight for her life. Hazel's father, Kenny, who works for a local concrete and construction company, had been training for and competing on the show American Ninja Warrior since before Hazel was born. It was through the show that Kenny started to spread the word about his daughter, humbly asking the viewers to help him save his daughter's life by donating a kidney. Soon after Hazel's story hit the airwaves, support began pouring in and a match was found. At only one and a half years old, Hazel underwent a successful kidney transplant surgery and began to recover. It was during Hazel's amazing recovery that she was referred to make a wish and knew exactly what her wish would be, to go to Disney World with her family and meet the princesses that helped inspire her during treatment and recovery. Most of all, she wanted to sit at Cinderella's table and have a meal with her favorite princesses. In February 2020, just before a chapter began to feel the local effects of COVID-19 and travel was halted, Hazel dressed up in a tutu with her sparkly Minnie Mouse ears and packed a suitcase that was as tall as she was. The next day, she and her family boarded a plane and flew to Orlando for an adventure they would never forget. During their trip, Hazel wished to meet Cinderella. Hazel's wish to meet Cinderella was fulfilled. She danced, twirled, and jumped from excitement, all the while feeling the rejuvenating effect of a wish granting granted at the end of a long and challenging journey. Hazel's wish experience served as a joy-filled way to celebrate the end of a tough road, the gift of a new kidney, and the beginning of life as a regular princess-loving, tutu-wearing kid. Wow, Bam. man, unbelievable! Go Hazel! Gives you chill bumps. I got it? chill bumps right now. I did too. That's amazing! Wow. I love it. I, I, I love supporting Make-A-Wish uh, because we're able to teach our children. Uh, so relatable. Well, it, uh, it, it makes it so real. I mean, these stories are, I mean, Hazel's, I mean, concrete and construction. I'm thinking about guys that we work with. This could be their daughter or it could be your daughter. It could be anybody's. my daughter. Anybody's. And, and, and they Make-A-Wish does such a wonderful job of of highlighting what these kids go through and, and Trent, you talk about this all the time. The medical benefits are, are proven and, and it's scientific. It works. Yeah. They're factual. So no, go Hazel, go make a wish. Uh, and I think Christian told us the other day we're over $200,000 net raised nice. so far going into the cornhole tournament. She told me that about a week and a half ago. Uh, so that's great. Um, back in the 200s, took a little dip on the Walt for Wishes last year, uh, but man, I mean, the ho- the whole goal is to grant wishes, and I think yep. the average wish cost we had Chris Weber from Make a Wish on here several weeks back. The average wish cost has inflated some. I think it's closer to eight thousand okay. uh, dollars. And since I've been involved in Make a Wish for about twelve or thirteen years, it was generally around six thousand dollars, and that, that's what's happened. Uh, but yeah, and, and and so many great businesses and people donate in kind as well to 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 get to that number. So uh, that's 20, why we do it. Twenty five kids so far, man, and it tied it back together. Kyle Porter and his wife April, wonderful people, are yeah at, that down number. near Orlando. They're Disney folks. Uh, so and what, have what their third awesome child. story? Yeah, Tangerine Farm. Who knew the dead head back? <laughs> the dead head back to New York City was cold. <laughs> No. <laughs> Kyle, great story, man. Sales Loft. I'm a Sales Loft fan. Let's roll. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Listen, go do the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Be kind. Go, cats. Wow, wow, wow.